Blog Talk Radio. Kentucky basketball across the bluegrass with Benny and Lee. I'm Benny and he's Lee over in Paducah, and I got to clear something up this week because I got behind in tour a couple times. I'm actually from South Shore, which is close to Ashland. I don't want to say I'm from Ashland, but I live in the little town of South Shore. I just usually say Ashland because everybody knows where that's at. <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with that, Benny. You're you're not, you're close enough and we're just going to take proximity and you know it's funny that we had a I had a uh, I have a cousin uh, Josh Stewart he spent some time with the Chicago White Sox in Major League Baseball and he's actually from Ledbetter Kentucky and Pam Edmonds is one of our listeners and she's good friends with Josh's mom over there and they they play some golf over there at Great Creek Golf Course and but Josh was always from Smithland. He went to Livingston County High School, but they always showed him his hometown as Paducah. So, I mean, close proximity is just one of those things. So don't feel bad. Don't apologize. And I'm actually in Mayfield right now. I mean, I'm just 20 miles south of Paducah, and, I, and I'm from West Paducah. grew up there all my life. And uh, so, yeah, we're not trying to hide from anybody. I mean, I don't have that many fans chasing me down for my autograph these days. <laughs> Benny, you might. I don't know. <laughs> No, I don't have any, and I'm good with that. I just, I'm just a normal UK fan, you know. We just start doing this for the fun of it. It's become a lot more than that. It's become a job at times, as you you well know, because you're the you're the man that's in charge of getting most of the guests, and you do a hell of a job. And I really, I really appreciate you. I couldn't pick partner honestly, and I ain't trying to blow smoke up your butt or nothing. But I really appreciate you. You've done a hell of a job. Thanks, Benny. I'll tell you what. I mean, I. I you're, you're like a brother from another mother, you know that. And I mean, we, we pat ourselves on the back or whatever. I mean, we, we do it for love in Kentucky basketball. And I'll tell you what, it is work. I'm not going to kid you. And this week, I'm going to tell you, I think maybe my hair is getting thinner. My, I, I, I was thinking it's because of the kids. I, well, Carmen, like my girlfriend, she's got five children. And I was thinking maybe they were giving me the, the thinning hair and the gray hair. But I think now it's lining up the talent for the show. This week, this week, I'm telling you, we had Wayne Turner lined up. Wayne had to cancel last minute. I sent out a tweet, and, and you guys saw when that came out about an hour or so ago. And so I'm scrambling around trying to find, you know, some somebody to come on on the show. We've got Jay Haas from Rockin' Kentucky uh, Blue on, on the podcast. He's coming on today, and uh, he does a fine job. And we try to have a Kentucky player. I'll tell you what, Roger Harden's a great friend of ours. Uh, Scott Paget was on last weekend, and Scott, we had a great time with him. I tell you what, that was a fun show. I'm stank Benny, but and uh, but I ended up sending a message to both those guys and uh, and thinking, well, you know, it's kind of like fishing. You cast, you make a cast, hoping to hit one. Well, I hit both. I got the I got the two bagger, which is a a double hit. That's unreal, man. And uh, Benny, you know what that is? You get two fish on at the same time when you're fishing with somebody. But so. Guys, we've got Scott Paget and Roger Harden on with us today, and we couldn't be more excited because this is going to be a fun show today. I, I absolutely feel this one today. It's going to be fantastic. Now, Lee, you may think this is a fishing story, but I've had two on at the same time by myself, and 
Yeah. It's crazy when they're yeah. when they're hitting that crankbait, they'll get hooked on both ends, and you'll have two twelve inch fish, and you'll be telling your buddy, "Hey, get the net." <laughs> you yeah. think you yeah. got a well, horse out there, and you got one pull in each direction, you know. And, and you're going to think I'm kidding too. I've done the same thing because when we when we went up to uh, northern Michigan or Canada on uh, for northern pike or muskie. You know, we would do we would bait fish and then we would cast. Casting, I love casting. I mean that that's that's real fishing. I mean it is. And, and Benny, I know you do a lot of that, and especially if you're fishing for bass. And uh, I just love it, man. I can't tell you enough how much I love it. And uh, but you know, you bait fish. We we would rig up with the uh, creek chubs and uh, or, or uh, yeah, they're just big creek chubs, big minnows, and we we would bait cast with those with big bobber, and then. Uh, then we'd cast, but I had the same thing. I had a double hit with two pike. I mean, I'm sitting there fighting, you know, about a, a five pound pike and a ten pound pike on two rods. It, it, it's fun and it can be, it is it, wild. You know, of course, I handed one to my uncle, let him kind of hang on to it. He didn't bring it in, he just kept it on there for me so I could get it. But uh, yeah, it, it's fun to do it and uh, it does happen. Hey, you know, that's something we're going to have to do because. We're going to have an off-season, and we're going to keep our show going this year because we didn't kind of enjoy last year of having that dead time because it seemed like we lost interest and all that. But I think we should try. And I'm not saying we can do it, but I think we should try to get some professional fishermen on. I think that'd be cool. I mean, well, just pick their brain yeah. and talk a little. And, and you know, like I say, it, I know – it's something that'd probably be hard to do, but we we can give it a shot. Heck, I mean, we've got some big fish on here. We can surely we can get some professional fishermen to come on. I don't know how yeah, interested there is in fishing out there, but I know you and I are interested in it. Well, it's funny you say it because you think about Kentucky and just how how wonderful state it is, and the fishing in Kentucky is second to none. I mean, really, we. We have everything. I mean, you have smallmouth, you've got largemouth, we've got, you know, you've got the stripers, uh, uh, crappie out the yin-yang on, uh, in, at Barkley and Kentucky Lakes. And, I mean, you've got, you got some wonderful lake systems. I mean, you've got Cave Run Lake. Uh, you've got, uh, what, what's the lake over at Somerset? I can't think which, what's that lake? Cumberland. Cumberland. Cumberland, oh man, the Cumberland, yeah, Lake Cumberland, man, what a beautiful lake that is, man, it's a big striper. But my retirement yeah. spot will be Lake Cumberland because you can fish so much longer in the year. Like you can, you can catch fish down there in January because it's so deep and the water stays a little right. warmer, a little longer, and uh, you know yeah. that's just that's just me. I mean, I'm a fisherman, and I know there's. It's a different breed. Fishermen are a different breed. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, I mean, you go below uh, Wolf Creek Dam there on, on Cumberland River, and, man, they've got some of the best trout fishing in the state. I mean, it, in the country. I mean, you've got some beautiful trout there. It, it's just Kentucky, what I'm saying, you know, Kentucky, man, is, is a fantastic state for fishing. And, and we've talked about having Vicky Banks on here. Vicky's a good friend of ours, has been for years. And this lady catches some whoppers over there at uh, Cave Run Lake. She catches oh, some man. huge muskies. She makes and, me uh, look so like, a, like a beginner, I'm going to tell you right now. That girl can catch some fish. Now, she's always got a, I don't know if she's renting them or what, but she's, <laughs> she's always got a huge muskie she's caught. Now, she, she's something else. And let's take a pause for the calls. I know you're going to enjoy this week. All right. Okay, this is Cotton Nash, and you're listening to... 
Kentucky basketball across the bluegrass. Well, and that's, that's our buddy Cotton Nash. Wow, yeah, that's oh man, what a show! And yeah, that that gave me goosebumps. And, and I'll I'll remember that show for the rest of my life. And uh, and I need to I need to holler at Cotton to see how he's doing in this pandemic because you know the our elder crowd they're they're a lot more vulnerable. And just I hope he's staying safe and and hope everybody's staying safe and and doing the right thing. And I'm gonna tell you, last week. And I guess again this week. <laughs> I mean, you know, I got my guys that I really, 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 truly love because when I was coming up, '98, man, I was I was just a very young adult, and it, I don't know, it was just special to me that that year. And having Scott Pageant on two weeks in a row, I don't even know how to contain myself, honestly. And which I was looking <laughs> forward to Wayne Turner because Wayne Turner was one of my favorites, man. I thought. Like Scott said last week, I thought Wayne Turner didn't get the credit he deserved for what he did at Kentucky. I mean, you can no, go John Wall, you can you can go Darren Fox, you can go Roger Harden, you can go a lot of different point guards, and, and he's just as impactful as all those guys. Yeah, and, and you know, and I think that is some of the 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 sentiment from Big Blue Nation with with the game now. And it's not how John Calipari recruits. It's the, it's how the rules have changed. It's how the game has changed. And John Calipari just brings in the talent that we need to get to a championship. I mean, he's bringing in the top-tier talent, and he can't force these guys to stay. You know, if, they're, if they want to leave the program after one year, they're going to go. And, you know, he's just recruiting the best talent in here that he can I mean, you can't go out there and handpick guys. Hey, I'm going to pick this guy because I think he's going to stay in the program for four years. You know, the the disconnect I think is with, is with that. And and like you're talking, Benny, Wayne Turner, Scott Padgett, those guys that stayed off four years, man, we had such a chemistry and a bond with those guys because they were there and we knew what they brought. And, and it's so neat to see them progress and get better every year and they all did they all did but i'll tell you something else it's a different way but i'm just as connected with the one and done guys because let me tell you i'm one of those guys i probably got i'm afraid to say how many autographs i've got in this house of kentucky players because i'm an idiot when it comes to it i've got them hanging over my walls and it's just a good thing that my family understands me because my house is done in kentucky let me just tell you but anyway (laughs) I go to all these autograph signings, and I remember going to a Carl Towns signing, and I was actually in Nashville, and there was a lady out in her car waiting on Carl, and she told him she'd wait till he was done to uh, get an autograph because she couldn't walk in. And he went to the car. He just told everybody else, you just going to have to wait. He got up, went to the car, gave that lady a big old hug, and, and that's what I say. It broke my heart about Carl's mother and and all the things that went down from this horrible crap that China, that come from China or whatever. But, you know, that, that aside, he is such a good kid, man. You guys don't even know until you meet these guys in person just how great they are. And that's one thing I want to give Calipari credit for. Yeah, there's there's always a bad apple here and there, but he recruits good kids. Yeah. 
And, and you made a valid point there of what this pandemic has done. It has robbed people of so many things. And, and you know, we talked a little bit about that last week, being greedy, somewhat greedy. And I, I say greedy, and, you know, yeah, I wanted to see the NCAA tournament. I want to see Kentucky play. And that that's just me being selfish and greedy because I'm a member of Big Blue Nation. But, you know, the sad thing about it is, is when you get down to these kids is that, are missing a normal graduation. They're, they missed their senior prom. Uh, they missed they missed their summer leagues, uh, baseball, basketball, whatever. They're playing volleyball. Uh, they're missing these things. It's just absolutely robbed from them. All of these people are losing this, and, and they're never going to get it back. And, and 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 the other thing of it, the, the other side of this is, is is the very bad side of it. And I think Governor Bashir's done a great job of this, recognizing these people. But Carl Anthony Towns' mom, I mean, she was a member of Big Blue Nation. She was a member of our family. And when Carl came, I mean, her, her his mom and dad, we knew them. Great people, wonderful people. What a wonderful family. And and there just hasn't been enough done on her passing. And and. and the, the funeral, it, it's, it, there's not even a funeral now. It, it, everything's just different. And, and it's, just, it's just sad because, you know, this shows you how it can affect you. It affects everybody. It, it doesn't matter what, how much money you have, who you are. This pandemic can affect anybody on this planet. You know, the thing about it is, is nobody knows the right answer. It's one of those things we've never dealt with before. And you can be 100% let's open it up, or you can be 100% let's keep it closed, and you don't know. You know what I'm saying? You don't know. You just have to go day by day and figure it out because we really can't stay closed because we're not built for that. And at Mm. the same time, we really can't go full blast because of the disease. You know, it's just, and people want, and these protesters and stuff, and I just don't understand America is going through enough right now without anybody protesting either way. It's time to just buckle in and figure out what we got to do to to make things work. That's just my opinion. You know, I have my days where I get aggravated. I, I was aggravated last week with uh, a lot of people were complaining about having to go to work. And I'm thinking, I'm going to work every day. Ain't nobody worried about that. And, and I didn't mean to. That's just, that's just emotions. You know what I mean? At the time. And sometimes you shouldn't have tweet your emotions <laughs> right. well and i've been bad about that too and we're going to talk about that with jay Hawes here in a minute but you know it's a uh, the the realism with this is you know yesterday i'm at the benton walmart benton kentucky it's in marshall county and you know we're social distancing in the line to go in and this one lady and she's an elderly lady she's older than me at least appears to be appeared to be and she had, you know, she had her face mask on. I didn't wear my face mask, and I'm going to start doing it because it's going to be a requirement May 11th. But, um, and I and I am very key on wearing that at work. I wear it all the time. But, uh, you know, she wanted she wanted to be three feet behind me, three feet behind me, and talking on her cell phone through a mask. And I finally just looked back at her. And I said, "Ma'am, I said, it's been social distance." And you're going to you're going to, you're going to stay back from me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I get that. I've seen that time and time again everywhere I've been. I've had people, I can feel their breath on the back of my neck and things like that. And it annoys me. But I'm I'm one of those people sometimes I hate to be rude. But sometimes, like in this situation when I've just had enough, I'm like, get the, 
ass back. <laughs> Leave me alone. I mean, I don't know how to explain it, but there's, there's just a time. And you think, because I think that's been a problem for years, people on these phones. You just talk about the phone. And, and and don't get me wrong, I'm on my phone a lot, too, and I'm not trying to say it. But sometimes people are on that phone and they walk out in traffic and get run over. I think, I think sometimes these phones are the death of us all. <laughs> They could be, and, and you know, I'm telling you, I, I'm terrible about my phone. You, you know, I've always been somewhat of a germaphobic, but you think of where your phone goes, and and they they tell you now to you know clean your phone, do do this and that with your phone, and you know I don't. I tell you what, I mean, I don't take care of mine like I should, and, and that that's concerning enough because I mean. It's just, you know, what germs are on there. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it's just it, there's so much to this. It it, it just, it, it's almost crazy. But I tell you what, as far as washing my hands, I've always washed my hands. I've been, uh, I've lived it and practiced that all my life. And I, and I used the Germex, the hand sanitizers. But I have never used it to the degree that I have now, lately. I'm telling you, it's like I can't even feel fingerprints on my hands. I mean, it just feels like my fingertips are smooth. Well, I'm going to tell you, I wash my hands religiously, always have. But my hands, if you looked at them, you'd probably think I hadn't washed them for a month because right. they're cracked. And I think- and I'm, a, I'm a mechanic, so you know you know what a mechanic's hands <laughs> look like. I'm telling you, man, there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> I got to too, but not probably to your degree, but I work on all my stuff. And I think Jay's trying to call in now, Benny. So we've got Jay Hayes coming in from from uh, from the podcast, Rockin' Kentucky. I think, I think he's with us now. Welcome to the show, Mr. Hayes. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. What's up, fellas? Hi, Jay. Welcome to the show, bud. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Although, I will say, probably... Probably should have had the smarter one on of Rockin' Kentucky Blue, Michelle Brown. Hey, hey. <laughs> we both know Michelle. I, I've been friends with Michelle forever, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to get this off my chest right now, Jay, because, you know, and we were talking just prior to the show about this, and, you know, it, it's how people interpret things. And, and Benny was thinking, hey, who, who doesn't get on Twitter after we've had a few beers or a few bourbons, whatever your choice, and maybe maybe even a couple lines of cocaine. I don't know what these people do. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, uh, seriously, that, that was a long time ago. Man. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm serious. And, and Jay, you posed a question on there. I think it was about Rex Chapman, and and and, oh, yeah. and, and just by his by his skin color. And of course, I had a few beers with him, and, and my first reply, "Hey, asshole." So, and I don't right, apologize right. to you on Twitter, but I'm apologizing to you now because. I, I had to I had to come down there and say, hey man, he, yeah, I get it, I get it. But how many times do people read these emails or these tweets and get offended just because you interpret it or read it the wrong way? It, it happens all the time, and and I'm telling you, I'm one of these guys. I'm old school, so old school. We didn't even have cell phones, and I miss that time because it was all face to face. You know, it's all face to face or on the yeah. phone, actual contact. You know, and it, it, there's a difference now, man. Yeah, big big difference. Hey, man, I make a lot of people mad, but, uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, pe- pe- people interpret it the way they want to, but I, I'm I'm the kind of person that, you know, okay, that's how you take it. Oh, that's how you take it then. But, I mean, 
I, I try to put those hard questions out there. Nobody wants to touch it. And, you know, so, and I value people's opinions. Sometimes it seems like an argument, but I, I really do value other people's opinions. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I take as much as crap as I put out there. So, I mean, it just is what it, the whole social media is crazy, you know, because this person thinks this way, this person thinks this way. I mean, exactly. it is what it is. Yeah. I, I will take but Jay, what, what you're doing out there, man, is we appreciate it because, man, it's all about your love for Kentucky basketball and Kentucky sports, man, and we, we appreciate you very much. Definitely, you both definitely, may know and I appreciate you guys. You both may know this, what I was going to say, is uh, because I don't know anything about y'all's argument because I didn't see it because I don't see everything, you know. It and wasn't I, really an argument. It was. It just was, yeah, it wasn't that much of an argument. It was just, yeah, it was just a one hit. And then, but, yeah, and I, and I kind of come back down to earth because, yeah, I'd get off these IPAs a little bit, but, yeah, I figured it I, out, you know. But He called me an asshole. Hey, I was like, well, at least he's accurate. <laughs> oh, man. Rick, if I was, if, if I had a dollar for every time I was called asshole, I'd be a millionaire. Right, but right. Y'all talking well. about Rex, and I was just going to say, Rex himself probably went through more racial things than, than, oh, yeah. than probably just about anybody that ever played at Kentucky because. A lot of people don't know it, but Rex was dating uh, dating a uh, a black girl when he was in Kentucky, and there was some fans, which you know we've got them, whether we want to admit it or not. We've got the racist pigs out there that's in our fan base. They actually They're gave him there, yeah. quite quite a bit of stuff. We got somebody else calling yeah. in, and I'm not sure who this is. There might be some other questions. Welcome to Kentucky yeah, basketball luck. across the bluegrass with Benny and Lee Young. Uh yeah, my name is Scott. I listen to you all all the time. Awesome. Well, thanks for calling. Thanks, Scott. Where are you Glad from, you called Scott? in. No, I tweet with you all on Twitter. <laughs> where, where are you from, Scott? Nicholasville. Oh man, cool. What what what's your sign in? What's your sign in on there? Uh, Scott or GWO four. Yeah, yeah, I recognize you. Hey, man, good to hear from you, buddy. You got any questions? Yeah, is Jay on here? I'm here. Yes, sir. He's here. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I follow him, too. I I joke around with him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Scott listens to a lot of podcasts. Awesome! I tell you what, man, that's wonderful. Because I tell you what, guys, there there's so much out there now in in this world that to, as far as podcasts go I, I i wish i had the time to listen to all of them and, you know you just kind of have to hit and miss but there's some great shows out there i think what they're doing jay and michelle are doing is great and uh terry and Vinny, i mean there's a lot of them out there guys and, and, and it's awesome no the reason i was calling is benny said to challenge you to try to get chris mills on Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, I saw it. yeah. <laughs> hey, he said it, he said it. he he said if you could probably get Trump and Biden on, so you could probably get him. <laughs> yeah, hey, listen, I, I'm working on Chris Mills, and, and and I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get Chris. And I, I'm really even we're even looking to get his dad on here, but we're, we're working on it. it. 
I'll tell you what, it, it's tough. It's really tough. And, you know, I, even Obama's like, uh, next week. This, yeah. Uh, Obama's <laughs> next this, this I ain't trying to cause I ain't trying I, I to cause what. Obama. I'm not trying to cause. I'd rather have Michelle. Cause, I want Michelle Obama on here. I'd rather have Michelle than Barack. I mean, any day of the week, I'll take Michelle. <laughs> yeah, I ain't trying to cause. Uh, I mean, I'm just interested in what they say, what happened, really. And, and actually, honestly, I sent I sent a uh, a real good report on that on that tweet. I sent a a link to a good investigation, and they actually talked to both Chris Mills and his father. And there's still a lot of discrepancy there, but they said they never received any package from anybody in Kentucky. And then I think where it really is going to come down to is because Kentucky said they sent it, and then they said they didn't. And if you look at what Dwayne Casey said, Dwayne Casey said he never sent any money. So there's I'm interested in in what Jay thinks on this, because I'm going to tell you, $1,000 in today's basketball, they would probably give you an award. Even then, even then, a thousand dollars wasn't a lot of money, man. I mean, honestly. Yeah. Hear no, speak no, see no evil. Right. Exactly. What's the proof? I mean, yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't see it. Listen to you all. Thanks for the call, buddy. We appreciate it. All right. Yeah, and I don't know that. You know, you know the the gray areas there is. I don't know. You know, they say this this package, this envelope fell open and but they never had any they never proved any postmarkings from Lexington or anything. It was just it, everything just kinda of was very obscure. And I think in today's world, you know, they would have this more under a microscope, even though Kentucky then it, it just seemed like Kentucky's always been a target. And the reason for that is because, you know, Adolf Rupp's team's just Annihilated people. They annihilated everybody they played. I mean, they, Kentucky was tough, and, and Kentucky was a winner. That's why they won more basketball games than any other college program out there. They they were good, and they've always been the envy of other teams. And you know, when we're pulling these guys out of California, naturally they're going to say, "Hey, they're paying Chris Mills to come over there." But you know, I still want to go back and say, "Hey, you know." What about Zion in that house and all that? You know, I mean, how much truth is there to a lot of this? You know, I I think there, I mean, there's truth in it, but I mean, we would be naive to think that these kids don't get some kind of money, and it happens. Agreed, hundred percent. So, I mean, you can't pull up one situation and just not talk about everything. You know, you have to put it all on the table. If you're going to talk about this player, then you got to talk about hundreds and hundreds of other players. Right. And do you think that, that one of the biggest obstacles on, on paying kids because – and I'm going to be one of these guys that says, yeah, I think these kids should be paid. They should be paid something. And But you think the biggest obstacle with these – with paying these college players, these amateur athletes, is that – you know, a team like Kentucky, somebody like Kentucky is going to have a bigger bankroll versus somebody like, uh, let's say, a Tennessee Tech or or even, a, you know, a Texas Tech. You know, Texas Tech's a pretty big program. But Kentucky, I mean, they're going to have a big bankroll. So do you, do you think that's part of it, that they think that it's going to be biased towards, you know, the money that these teams can put out? You know, I don't know. I just read a little bit about the, uh, the likeness and everything that's you know, they're trying to get together. But I don't think – I mean, for one, 
the schools cannot be involved with any of it. So, right. you know, it's strictly on the player and third party. So, you know, it's a lot of gray area there, but I don't think it'll affect it any uh, at all, period. I mean, well, other I than other than recruits, player, I mean, you know, coming to Kentucky, they're stars, so. Well, I see it helping. Honestly, it's going to take this, yeah. this G League oh, thing is, I mean, let's be honest, programs like Duke and Kentucky can probably compete with that money that the G League's offering with big-time oh, yeah. stars. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because yeah. you can take your local guys, your local boosters, they'd be willing to pay that. I mean, I'm sure they paid more than in the past if you want to be honest right. about it. I, I think the biggest problem would be that, you know, hey, how much do we pay them? Because you have to make it competitive with the G League for these guys. And I think what, what you're going to see is the teams like Kentucky and Duke, they're not going to struggle. They're going to have that money on hand. They, they've got a bankroll. But these smaller schools, that's where you're going to see the problem. And they're going to be saying, you know, how are we going to how are we going to bankroll this? You know, here we can't compete against Duke and Kentucky. So when they are they going to make a cap? And if they make that cap, if they make that cap too low, well, the players can only make this amount. You know, if they make it too low, then we're still not going to be able to compete with the G League. I think they're going to have to find that balance. But these smaller programs are going to struggle. I mean, it's no different than anything else. But this, I think that's the biggest obstacle they got to get by the G League thing is is going to be a very small percent of players that do that. For one, you're, you're going somewhere where you – I mean, you might have that social media brand, but you're going somewhere where you're not going to be seen for the whole year while these guys that actually know their worth are going to be seen every night on ESPN and players, exactly. you know, Terrence Clark. They're going to have that exposure to build that brand. You know, so in the long run, I think the money is bigger if they do that year in college or whatever. But the G League is a small percent of guys, and a lot of people are, are, are up in arms on it. But it's a small percentage of these guys going to get that quick five hundred, two hundred fifty k. But right. what about the N- N- WNBA players? What do you yeah, think about this? I don't exactly. know much about the rule of the of. of the G League thing, but here's what I'm asking. I know back in the past they let them go straight to the pros or straight to the draft. They're not going to do that now, right? They're going to let them go straight to the G League. It's not straight to the NBA. Is that not correct? That's because if you got a Kobe, let's just say you have a Kobe or a LeBron coming through, what's going to benefit him more, going to Duke or Kentucky or even Kansas and being in that limelight, because we're talking about shoe deals here, because that's where the real money's made. And yeah. you know, you know what I'm saying? Your your exposure. Nobody's watching the G League, and nobody's ever going to watch the damn G League when they can watch exactly. the NBA. Exactly. Exactly. And it's a small but percentage. A it, small it is. percentage. It, it's it, and it's a lot of it's insurance too, because these these players are insured. But still, you know, why are you going to go to a college where you make absolutely nothing? And you could go to a G League, and you're still going to be exposed. You're actually going to be exposed more to NBA scouts, you know, in the, in the G League than you are in college. Someone, I mean, I think there's a lot of comparison there. You play at you're going to have the NBA scouts. But, but exactly. to me, the G League just seems like a black hole. It just seems like a big black hole. I think you go to that G League 
especially somebody like E.J. Montgomery, he's going to work his tail off to get to the NBA. I just don't Man, see I don't that. I don't want to talk about that. It's the reality of it all. It really is. I mean, you like guys I said, agree? You, you guys think it's a, a black hole? I just think the G League's just a black hole. It's just like, man, you might make it, you might not, man, but we're going to at least take a chance on you. I mean, it just it just doesn't seem like it's got a lot of giddy up. I mean, I, I don't, I just don't like this G League thing at all. I think it, developmental league, my ass. I mean, that's what college is, right? Right. right. I mean, like I'm with it, but. I'm not with it. Like, I'm on a fine line there because I do want these players to get paid, and I think the NCAA has to step up now and make this, you know, yep. name, likeness. You know, they they got to step up. The ball's in their court. Now it's time for their move. But, like I said, these, this G League thing, I don't even see it lasting that long, really, to be honest, because <laughs> no, it's going to be a small percentage. Where is the funding coming from? And, and, and like I said, right. the WNBA, these – what? You're going to give – a high school kid, 250k to file incentives and deals, and these professional women are out here going, huh? Really? Wow. Yeah. This is my right. my biggest question right here. Let's just say both of you guys are are one done type players. Let's just, I mean, let's just say, and you know what you know now because these guys, these guys don't, but they gotta have people in their corner too. But as I say, do you want the next Jerry Stackhouse developing your talent, or do you want Coach Mike Krzyzewski or Coach John Calipari or Bill Self developing your talent? No, man, I'll let Jay tackle that one first. That's a, that's a hard question because, uh, yeah, me for me, my decision, if I was that player, my decision would be, okay, I want to build my brand and I want that exposure, I'm on the biggest stage at one of these blue blood schools, um, I'm, I'm going to go one and done because I don't want to go just practice basically in the developmental league, the G League, and, and just play a few games here and there, not be seen at all. I'm trying to build my brand up, and I'm going to need this early year to be, be noticed, and, and going to college does that. Alan Iverson and, said and like, like you, and, and like you said, too, you're being coached by Cal. Yeah. One thing is people are missing is these guys aren't even going to play in the league, in the G right. League. They're going to be glorified right. go practice, practice players. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and and they're going to see this. Wow. I mean, I could have had a, a, a great eight, nine months at school, you know. I think that, I think part of it is that just the talent level of some of these players, and I think that it's, you know, it, and, and another thing I think this one and done has done is it, it, it's watered down the NBA somewhat, and you yeah. know you can pick this thing apart, but the sad thing about it is, guys, and and and, and I don't know, you know, I I know Benny and Jay, I, I don't know you that well, just just from here and and on Twitter, but you know, guys, growing up to me, it was all about you know. You, you play at a high school level, and, and and your next your next stop's college. I mean, it wasn't for me ever going to be a one and done or even a even a thought of the NBA. And you know, I don't know if it's just a perception. And we get it; these guys are rated, then they're evaluated. Everything's so much different now. It, it, it's it's a leap years beyond where it was twenty and thirty years ago, almost forty years ago. I think these guys. They they buy into that hype, and I think they just forego any thoughts of college. Sometimes I think that they, you know, their their dream is to make it to the NBA, 
And however they can get there the quickest, that's why they're going to. That's the path they're going to take. I don't think that you know the allure of cause to me. It was it was the allure of cause. Hey man, I'm going there. I'm going to be a ball player. I'm going to meet women, lots of women, lots of women. Have fun. And <laughs> we're going to party and we're going to go to cake parties. We're going to join a fraternity. But I mean seriously, guys, that's part of life. I mean we we experience that part of it. these kids. They don't care. These these elite players, they don't care, man. They want to go there and they want to make that million dollars and more, and that's what that's their life, you know. So I think it, it's 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 somewhat of a shortcut, but these kids don't even think it. I think it. I think they're robbed of that at an early age because of their talent level, you know. And it's it's kind of a shame, but that's I mean that's that's what's happening. I agree. I agree totally. But at the same time. We go to college to get better jobs to make more money. So right. if someone, I, I, I mean, not fair. even a professional right. athlete. If someone can yep. come straight out of high school and just jump right into their business making that money, I would be all for that. Yep. But at the same yep. time, right. in professional sports, is getting watered down, like you said. I mean, it, it, it's and it's turning a lot of kids away, and then they have no education or anything. They don't have anything because. Right. Not everybody's going to get to that next level. That uh, well, you make an interesting point there. The interesting right. point there. So, so it's like everything else. It's going to be good for some, and not good for others. Let's take Zion for instance. It would not have been good for Zion to go straight to the G League. But let's say, let's be, let's go Tyrese Maxey. Let's be real here. It might have been good for him to make three hundred thousand. I mean, honestly, I don't know if he would have got the development that he got at Kentucky. I really don't know that because I don't know. I know I, know I always use Stackhouse. He built his brand so much more, though. He built his brand well, so much more, though, in that year. We would have we never, unless you're a, a basketball junkie, you would have never knew who this guy was. You, you, you probably know. not, but, he but built, he, just in the Kentucky. A lot of fans though, right? that are just, right. That's what I'm saying. It may be a guy like him with his talent that's going to be the – maybe not – I mean, that's another thing to argue why he should go to Kentucky. If he doesn't go to Kentucky, he'd be better off maybe in the G League making 300000 Right. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what percentage of these guys, these five or six guys that went to this developmental league so far, I'm, I'm excited to see what percentage of those guys actually make it to the league. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. You're talking about our kids from that, Kentucky. That, yeah, me too. That percentage is going to be small as well. Uh, I think so. I mean, it, it's you know, it, it, it's sad because we we want the best for these guys, and you know, I I just man, I'm gonna tell you, as much as I love asking Hagen's, I mean, I think he just he went down a bad path, and you know, he he and we talk about being robbed in this pandemic. He got robbed, man. He didn't even get the save his face from the fiasco going into the SEC tournament. And, you know, we'll never know what happened there. But I, I just don't see Ashton making it. I don't. And, and, and I want to. You know, being realist, I, I just don't think he has the gamer was ready yet, as much talent as he had. And A.J. Montgomery's another one. Uh, I think Maxie's going to be fine quickly. I think he, he's got enough of a shot to make it. And I think Richards is going to be fine too. But – Man, three out of five. I mean, it's not. That's 
you know, that's not that good. I mean, all five of these kids should should make it if they're if they're leaving to go to the NBA. Right. I I think Hagen's a make it solely on defense. Now he has no offensive game, and he's got to work on that. But his defense is tremendous, and I think that pushes him into the NBA. And 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 you know they'll work with him and get his offensive game right. But man, he's a defensive beast, and that's going to carry him into the NBA. He is. He and is now, as far as these other guys, I mean, it, it's a hard road. Who knows what happens to EJ? I mean, we see players sometimes come in and like, oh, we don't think this was the player that we thought. And then we see them in the NBA and like, where was they at? You know, I mean, right. why didn't they do that here at Kentucky? So, I mean, it, it you never know. No. And, Jay, we appreciate you coming on. And, and I'm going to ask you one more question when we're going to get you out of here because we got uh, – We've got Scott and, and uh, Roger coming on here in just a minute, and uh, but thank you so much for being on. We want you to talk about oh, your thank show, you guys. But, but 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 what do you think about this class coming in, and, and and what do you think about not so much the recruiting class? We know these guys are studs, but what about the transfers? And and, and what who's the one guy you you want to see Cal get that we haven't gotten yet? And I know that that Wake Forest kid's hanging out there, man. I tell you what, that guy. Yeah. To me, it's key. But what what are you seeing from the in the transfers, and and how do you feel about that? Um, I would love to get the uh, Olivier Olivier Saul, right. the the Wake Forest no, no. man. He is yes, but I don't see that, it happening. I mean, Steve Forbes is is you know just took that job, and he's a hell of a recruiter. He talks to the uh, he's going to talk to Saul, and he's going to I don't he's not going to easily let him go. So I don't even Not think that. he leaves Wake Forest. Danny I don't Manny even think he leaves down. Wake Forest. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's Danny Manning. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As, hey, as far as, uh, the, yeah, yeah. as far as the Evansville kid, DeAndre Williams, um, I, he's got Kentucky on his list, but I think a lot of these players put Kentucky on their list. It makes them look good. So I don't, I don't know, and I don't know much about him. Evansville, of course, you know that Evansville, Evansville, Evansville thing. But uh, uh, Frank Anselm, I, I see us getting him. And okay. man, this class is going going to. I mean, they're, I think they're slept on. Man, Isaiah Jackson is the real deal. I've been saying that for a long time. Um, where Lance? Where, I mean, this team is going to be really good, and they're slept on right now. But uh, we we'll probably add one or two more guys. But you know, even even Calipari's team at Memphis, you know, when they were really good, and uh, they they were small. They didn't have a player. They didn't have yeah. many players yeah. over six eight six nine. So if anybody can make it happen, as far as a smaller team, I think Calipari can do it. Yeah, that real post position. A thing of the past, anyway. Yeah, it is. It really is. I don't think any guy wants to play that anymore. Even though it is right. a necessity in college basketball, it's just right. it's a little different, right. you know. It's but I don't think it hurts you to be able to do that in the pros. I think it helped Carl Towns become the number one pick. Yeah. Yep. Well, man, I appreciate you guys for having me on. Jay, no problem. And make sure you, you tell Michelle Hyde and, and talk, about, talk about your show a little bit. Oh, uh, yeah, you can find us on Rockin' Kentucky Blue. We're on every platform, man. Check us out. Like I said, Michelle, she's the smart one. Um, I'm like the crazy one that she tries to keep in line, but I'm like, 
I, you know, I'm just really hard. I'm like the bad kid, you know, but not really. Benny, but, uh, Benny, Michelle I, I think great. me and Benny don't even know who the bad one is. I, I, I sometimes think it's Benny, <laughs> and then sometimes I think me. But I don't. Hey, I, don't sell your stuff, Jay, dude. You, you, you know your stuff, man. I didn't mean to cut you off, but you, you, you got oh, basketball intellect, brother, and you're welcome anytime. I appreciate you guys, man. Check us out, man. We have fun with it. Um, right now, it's crazy. Of course, everybody, all the sports people know that, yeah, it's, it's nuts. But, yeah, check us out. We're having a good time. But, yeah, like I said, Michelle, she's she slept on a lot too, man. She knows her stuff, man. So And, yes, and I picked does. up a lot of stuff from her. Yeah, big time. And I pick up a lot of stuff from her. And uh, basically, she's just trying to teach me how to be professional, probably because I will never be professional. But <laughs> she, she tries to keep, keep me in line and, like, no, you can't be doing it. She, she Andy Bashirs me, like, constantly. You can't be doing that. But, uh, but yeah, man, we have a great – we have good chemistry, and we're growing together. And, and hopefully this podcast adventure takes off somewhere. You'll never know. We'll just keep at it. But, yeah, Rockin' Kentucky Blue on any platform. We're available. Check us out. Uh, Thanks, Jay. Have a good day, I appreciate Thanks you guys for, for having me on. And we're going to go right into from that to uh, Scott Padgett on Kentucky basketball across the bluegrass for the second time in two weeks. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> hey, Scott. How you guys doing? Hey buddy, thanks for thanks for joining us last minute. I mean, I'm out there mowing the yard, thinking, well, I gotta find somebody for Wayne, and then uh, so I, I told earlier on the show, I told Benny and, and our listeners, you know, I, it's kind of like fishing. You throw a couple casts out there to find somebody, and I, I threw one to you and and Roger Harden. We got you both, and Roger's gonna be joining us here in a minute, so we're gonna have all four of us on here as well to have a good time, man. And, can't thank you enough, man. Last minute coming on with us. Uh, no problem. Anytime you guys want to have me on, like I told you last week, I ain't got a lot going on right now. So, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> I hey, probably got some Scott, I, honestly, I thought about just taking a couple weeks off and letting you and Benny do this thing for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's not going to hurt numbers, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, they probably get tired of hearing me after too long. <laughs> No, hey man, you you and Dave ran gone, man. You all had a good show too back in the day, and I mean, I tell you, it's 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 fun, and and I, you know, the thing that you have is, is the love for Kentucky basketball, and and not to say a lot of these folks don't, but man, you get it, you grew up in it, and it, it's just great to have somebody that that truly grew up in it and loves it, you know, it, it's the passion just rolls naturally, you know, and it, it it's good to have you, man. Well, I think it's one of those things. You, you probably should thank my dad for that. He he, he raised me right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank thank God it wasn't for Louisville, man. Yeah. yeah, he was telling me earlier. He's you like, "Shots coming on again." And I was like, "Man, I hate to aggravate these guys too much," but he's like, "Oh, Scott was he was cool with it." I was like, "Oh, well, that's good because I we kind of kind of got cut short last week. I don't even remember where we stopped, but it was somewhere in the." Somewhere in the tubby, yep. you know, tubby doesn't get enough credit, and, and that's a, that is for sure, man. Tubby was one hell of a coach, man. I mean, he, to to come in there and win that thing year one, I mean, like I was telling you last week, nobody thought he could. And if you guys hear some noise, I'm gonna go ahead and call Roger and get him on here. Have you ever talked to Roger before? I'm just curious. 
I think I've met him one time, like, you know, like back during when I played, uh, you know, different guys, you know, come back and, and they had different events and stuff. And I think we met like maybe one time, uh, you know, it's funny, you know, I grew up, you know, watching obviously Roger and everything. And I still remember like it was yesterday, the, the pull up against LSU for the, for the win that he hit oh, yeah. uh, back in the day. So, you know, that team he had, unfortunately playing LSU four times that year, that, you know, like I felt like that was a team that could have won a national championship that year with Kenny and Roger, and you know you had oh yeah, that uh, Winston. That was a, that was a really good team. That was a solid right, team, Scott. I'm, yeah, it, I'm running you know what's funny is, and we're talking about all this, and it, it's funny, and and Scott even, and when I, when I think about you now, it's just, uh, it's just hard to believe because you know these years they start to again. The older it gets, it, it's worse, man. I'm just gonna tell you, I, I'm 56. It's not gonna get any better for you. Man. <laughs> yeah. We we have a heck of a team at Kentucky now because I've got you and Cotton on the same team. <laughs> I know that's distracting. <laughs> Scott, what you, have, have a good week though. Did you have a good week this week? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been like I say, I, I told y'all last week I'm doing a lot of stuff trying to like my son's transfer now and uh, I'm doing a lot of talking to a lot of teams for him and, uh, you know, just going through that process. My other son's getting recruited in football. And so, you know, kind of going through those processes with them. We actually, we, we went out front, we, we make them go outside and do like 30 minutes of something outside every day. You know, so yesterday we got together, the whole family, and we did some can jam, uh, cam jam in the front yard. <laughs> That's funny. That's cool. Now see, you know we wanted to be outside when I was young. We we did we had the old I don't even remember what it was. It wasn't Nintendo. It was the old uh, I don't even. I may have been Nintendo. I don't even remember the first game system that ever came out. But we were always outside, and so it was kind of the opposite for me growing up. Man, these kids today, you know, you almost have to make them go out. And my my son, that, that was one rule. You know, he had a lot of friends over and, and things, and we had a. I had a baseball infield in the in the yard. We had a uh, basketball court. We had a football field. I lined it out myself. And so, you know, the rule of thumb was when it was nice out, you were outside and, and you played your video games at night or when the weather was bad. So, you know, I, and that that's the old coach in me, the old player in me that we did. And uh, but but it worked out for him. Well, I'll well, the Roger thing didn't go through, you guys. So, just so y'all know. <laughs> I'll say this is uh, I pretty much my dad used to work a lot of uh, like work during the day and come home and kind of kind of sleep different hours. So like at three o'clock in the afternoon, he might be trying to sleep because he was on seconds and third shifts and things like that. So uh, during the summer, it was you come in when it's dark, you go out when you wake up and you come in when it's dark. And and during the, you know, the school year, if if he was sleeping at three o'clock, you went outside and you. You, you played yeah. until it was time to come in and eat dinner and go to bed, you know. So, right. uh, definitely spent a lot of time outside. We had a big backyard, and uh, we hit, we had the basketball goals. And my next door neighbor kind of had that that baseball field kind of ended up. So we played wiffle ball over in his yard, yeah. and the back part of my yard was a big straight stretch where we played football at. So you were always playing something, you know, outside. Yeah. It's I think. 
I think with technology, there's a lot more entertainment things that go on that you can do inside and on your phone and things like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah. the things that were more fun were the things outside when when we were growing up. And Scott, one thing I don't think people know. I mean, did did you play any other sports in high school besides basketball? I played football and baseball. Um, I played both through my sophomore year, uh, and then wow. kind of really, you know, it was one of those things. Uh, by then, kind of realized uh, that basketball was going to be the way to go. And and I, to be honest with you, my first love of sports was ba- was baseball growing up. Uh, yeah. Big, I'm a big like I loved collecting baseball cards and. And no, knew all the players. Yeah, knew all the players and everything. And uh, you know, I was I was a Cincinnati Reds fan growing up, and a friend of mine was related to Paul O'Neill. And when Paul O'Neill got traded to the Yankees, yeah, yeah, uh, when he got traded to the Yankees, I just became a Yankees fan. So it's worked out pretty well for the last thirty years because they've been pretty good. But <laughs> um. But it's one of those things, just a big, big baseball fan. And, uh, you know, I would say football was probably my last of them, even though, like, you know, I went to St. X High School, which is a big football school. Um, But, you know, I guess growing up, football, like University of Kentucky and University of Louisville football, when I was growing up, neither one of them were, you know, just at the level they're at now. Uh, So that's probably why football wasn't as big a deal to me I actually liked Notre Dame football growing up um, mm-hmm. and you yeah, know I mean, and I actually, a friend of mine actually took me I went up to that uh, Notre Dame Miami football game up there when there was the the Catholics versus the convicts games that they sold the church <laughs> yeah. out in it yeah. so I was wow. in eighth grade got to go up to that game and watch them and uh, they had a kicker named Reggie Ho that kicked the game-winning field goal for Notre Dame and Notre Dame Man. ended up going on and winning the national championship that year in 88. But, like, uh, you know, it was one of those things. I'd say football, uh, baseball, and then, you know, I always loved basketball, but, but for whatever reason, I, I just really liked baseball growing up. And uh, and probably, you know, you got to about 12 or 13, basketball kind of took over. Yeah, yeah. It's just – it's neat. and, you know, and my son, he went to Paducah-Tillman, and, and we were – uh, we were over in – actually, it was in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, for that Cal Ripken experience. And, uh, but uh, St. X was over there. And you mentioned that about the baseball card. So, I see, I see St. X get off the bus, and and all I see are guys the size of uh, Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire getting off this bus <laughs> for St. X. And, uh, of course, they, they ended up beating Paducah Tillman 14-3. And Tillman had a great team. They, that was the only game they lost over there. But uh, so at St. X, I mean, how, how was that? How was that just growing up for you? I mean, what did you guys do? That was that was pre cell phone time. What what did you guys do? I mean, uh, on the weekends. I mean, what kind of trouble did you guys get into back then? Um, to be honest with you, like my my dad, like we he built, um, like we had had a house that had a connected garage, and my dad closed it in and made an extra room out of it. And then he built this really long driveway that went back to it where he ended up building a three-car garage. And and the driveway that we had out in front of it, it was about 35 to 36 feet wide. And he, wow. he went out and he got me a basketball goal on each end. So we kind of had wow. full court 
for 36 feet, yeah. so it was a half court, full court. Uh, you get a rebound, you know, you take one dribble, turn around, shoot on the other end. Uh, yeah. But, like, usually everybody was at my house on the weekends, and we were playing yeah. basketball, and, and we had one of those, like, in-ground pools. So you'd play basketball all day, you get real hot, you jump in the pool, you dry off, yeah. you'd eat something, you go play basketball again, yeah. you know. Uh, right. So, I mean, you could probably – from about the time I was 12 to through my high school days, you could probably find me either, you know, uh, either at my house playing or we would go, like we used to play outside at the parks a lot uh, when we played yeah. our pickup. There wasn't, not a lot of people did open gym back then. You couldn't get into the schools uh, like you can right. now. And so, and I actually think pickup in the park probably is what makes you, what made me tougher because you're playing against 30 year old men, you know, who've, who've played and are a little older, stronger, got some tricks to the trade, all that stuff. Um, And we had some pretty good guys that played in the park. Like, I grew up playing in the park against Lancaster Gordon that played at Louisville and uh, Bradford Smith, Smith, Jerome Harmon. Like, those are the guys I played in the park against. So, uh, you know, like, like we had some really, really good runs back in the day and playing in the dirt bowl and stuff down at, uh, you know, downtown and, and at Shawnee Park and, it, it was just uh, – that's just what you did. You you went around and, it, like, I remember we had, like, yeah. a little route. Like, we went to McNeely Lake. If, the, if, if, if they had a – McNeely Lake basketball uh, park had a basketball court, we'd go there. If nobody was there, you'd run over to uh, yeah. to Seneca Park. If nobody was at Seneca Park, you'd went, you went to Wyandotte. And, you know, like, you know, you just right. kind of made your rounds until you found a game. Yeah. And, and that's what we did. That, that's how I was at Paducah, and it's hilarious, man, because, you know, I don't think a lot of kids, I, I remember telling my son, he just was, like, amazed that that's what we did. I mean, you went looking for ball games, and, and you know what, our key, and I went to the old Heath High School, and, of course, they consolidated with Lone Oak and Reeland to make the McCracken County High School now, but yep. the, the our key to the Heath High School gymnasium was a coat hanger. And uh, it had the old bar <laughs> system, the old bar door, and if you you could put it was like plexiglass, and you could bow it out just enough to get a coat hanger in there. And I remember we were in on a Saturday afternoon, and and, and, and you know we never heard anything. We just shot basketball, we played games, and uh, you know every now and then we would get on the PA system and, and just joke around a little bit. But I will never forget. And our our principal, Mr. Stevenson, came in on a Saturday afternoon. He just happened to come to the school, and he came in there. And I remember we just froze. I mean, you could have heard a pin drop. The basketball was still bouncing, and we just froze it. And, I mean, it was – I'll never forget this. And we just looked, and he goes, hey, boys, just make sure you lock up when you leave. And that was all he said, <laughs> and you know, everything went on just fine. But, you know, today you couldn't do that, you know. Well, uh, you couldn't do that, I think, today. But I think also a lot of times – well, obviously not during the times we're in right now, but – a lot of times you got coaches who actually get them, get you know, open the gym for them so that they can play. Yeah. And like I say, I don't think we had that as much growing up. Uh, no. And that's kind of that's kind of changed in the last twenty years. That's why I think, like I say, probably some of the best players now don't play in the park as much because they can get in the, you know, get in the gym yeah. somewhere. Um, but that's that was our that was our place to play. You played. You played at the park, or you played at somebody's house in the neighborhood. And yeah. you, you just found a place to play, right? And I still have a key issue to me now, by the way, because I coached <laughs> the kids out there for a while. So, hey, and, and we're going to welcome our our good friend, uh, former Kentucky great 
Mr. Roger Harden. Hey, Roger, you here with us now? I'm here. How you doing? <laughs> Sorry, man. Me, me and Scott been carrying on about old basketball days, and I'll tell you right now, I know you got some stories. Well, I I enjoyed listening. What what little I got to. How you doing, Scott? Doing good, Roger. How you doing? It's a pleasure to talk to you. Congrats. I think I've met you one time, but I used to work for Reebok, and you played in the Derby Classic, right? Yep. Yep. And 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 that was one of our great coups. We were young into the grassroots at that time. And we got the Derby Classic through Shively Sporting Goods. And I, yep. I, that was the first time I got to see your game. And what a career at Kentucky and what an NBA career. So it's an honor to talk to you. And, and listening to you talk was like, wow. I remember those days, right? The park, the playground. <laughs> no doubt. So that, those were great times. I wish it, those were the days you could go all day, right, Coach? <laughs> yeah, no, no. To play all day, but uh, no, it's great to be on with you, Lee. Hey, it's sorry, nice to have you, Roger. This is Benny. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't know what Benny. happened, Lee. What's up, Benny? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, bye, I'm here, but I think Lee right had a heart attack having Scott and you <laughs> on the same time. No, <laughs> it's just, I tell you what, hearing you guys talk, it's just amazing, and. And I'll tell you right now, and Benny, Benny and I can't thank you guys enough last minute for coming on. And, Roger, I've been kind of worried about you. You've been off Twitter a little bit, and we're going to talk a little bit later. And, Scott, I think Scott's one of them wild cards kind of like us. I mean, we, we talk all kinds of stuff, baseball cars to wrestling. I mean, and, and that's what yeah. makes you guys cool. And, and, and i tell you right, yeah. you guys resonate with us, and, and it just feels like – Talking to family. I'm gonna be honest with you. I feel like I'm talking to to, to my best friends, and, and and I consider you guys my friends now. And uh, it's great hearing you. And we, we've been worried about you, man, because of this pandemic going on and everything. And uh, but uh, good to have you on. No, it's good. I, I I pretty much get off Twitter after the season, and and honestly, I've been I, I it's a you know it's a uh, stressful time for our country and what everybody's going through, but. I've made the best of it. My daughter's at home, and, uh, uh, you know, my wife is an essential worker. She's a physical therapist, so she's out. She's still working. and uh, But uh, I'm all good. Good to be back on with you, Toys and Honor. Good deal. Well, it's, it's awesome to have you all. I think, I think the best thing Lee and I could do is let you two talk. It'd be awesome. <laughs> well, well I can tell what? you this, right? Hey, I'm gonna tell you I, what, guys. I mean, we, we we we're gonna put you on the payroll, but it don't pay very good, okay? <laughs> That's all right. Now, one of the things about Kentucky, one of the things about playing at Kentucky, you know, we've had legendary coaches throughout the years, and uh, I've been a Kyle Macy, won a national championship in '78, being a Indiana high school kid. And ever since I got done at Kentucky, uh, I've been an avid fan. I mean, I I love Kentucky basketball. It was an honor to play there. But one of the downsides when you have coaching changes, uh, you don't always get to meet the guys from different eras. You know, we sit back and uh, I know some of the guys from the Issel and 
Mike Pratt and, you know, I know a lot of the older guys. I know some of the guys that played after me. But, uh, you know, they bring us back sometimes in reunions, and they don't always bring back, you know, multiple errors at one time. It might be uh, the championship team or an 84 team that went to the Final Four or something like that. So it, it, it's an honor to any time I get to talk with them. I, you know, I, I think if you played at Kentucky, when you watch the games and you follow it and you're a fan – you kind of know what's going on with a few, probably a few different variables. And you, you think back to your day when, you know, when you were balling, trying to win a national championship. But uh, right. so it, it, it's an honor to be able to talk to Scott. Well, I want to tell you tell something, you. Roger. What, what, I, what I hear from you and Scott both, it, it just your, your passion for Kentucky basketball just resonates. And, I, and another thing that's it's kind of neat that, that you two are on the show and – and you both, and not a lot of Kentucky players can say this, but you both played for two different coaches, and you had a coaching change. So maybe maybe we talk yeah. about that a little bit. Not we have, but, I mean, you guys played for some fantastic coaches. I mean, bar none. And, uh-huh. and to me, in some of the best Kentucky basketball I've ever played, you guys were there for, for that. And uh, you guys want to talk a little bit about that maybe? Well, I think – well, I'll, I'll throw this in there. Uh, you know, I think Scott, you know, uh, being a Kentucky kid, I, I, I think that's one thing. <clears throat> and I don't want to dirty Scott up with this comment because, uh, you know, it, this, is my, this is my personal opinion. But, but I think what's missing, if there's anything that's missing inside Kentucky basketball right now is, is that I think we need to get more Kentucky kids on the team. I think Cal's the first guy that's really not – gone out of his way to take the Kentucky kid. But my – and the reason I say that is is because they bring the the passion to the inside. They bring the grassroots meaning of what it's like to play with Kentucky. I mean, if you stay long enough, you understand it. You know, Eddie Dabner from Brooklyn, and I played with guys from all around the country, and I was from Indiana. But I think, you know, the – what it means to the fans and all that, I think that comes that's brought inside uh, inside the basketball program, and <clears throat> so uh, you know, obviously he's going to talk with a lot of passion. He stayed there for four years, won a national championship, played in, in perhaps the greatest era of college of Kentucky basketball, in my opinion. It was exciting. I happened to live outside the state for a little while during that time. But, boy, it was awful proud to be a, a former Kentucky Wildcat uh, sitting in a lounge somewhere in California at a sales meeting and watching your Kentucky Wildcats ball out. It was something else. <laughs> so, but Kentucky basketball, really, it's all about that connection with the fans. I know every time I'm on, I say it with you guys. But Scott obviously understands that. He grew up with it. He lived it. And I think anybody that played there, the greatest experience that I had there, my biggest disappointment was never winning a national championship. But the greatest experience I had was those day-to-day, uh, those day-to-day events that you have with your fans, interactions. And I watch, I think everybody's watching uh, the final season, the last dance or whatever with Michael Jordan. You see all the fans around, and it was a championship time in Chicago. And, and I, I turned to my wife when we were watching. I said, honey, I never won a national championship. But I had that experience of all these fans showing up after the game, meeting you at the airport, 
uh, meeting you outside before you go into refereeing. And I know Scott even experienced it on steroids, being a part of the teams that he was on. And when you've experienced yeah. that, it, you never forget that, and you appreciate it as a player because you knew your fans had your back. Right. Well, well, Scott, what do you have? I, I'll say I'll say this. First of all, uh, you know, I told him, I said, one of my favorite teams growing up was your 86 team with Kenny. Y'all, I think y'all were 32 and four. And unfortunately, you, had, yeah. you would have had to beat LSU four times in a year. You probably had, could have won yeah. a championship that year. But uh, I remember I told him, I said, like, you know, when you grow up and you talked about it being, a, you know, a Kentucky kid, you know, you grow up being that Kentucky fan, you were, you were one of the guys that I said, you know, I, I, that shot you hit against LSU to beat them during the season. Yeah. Uh, I, you were one of the guys that I was doing three, two, one, you know, and acting like <laughs> I was you shooting that shot, <laughs> shooting that pull up, you know? And, uh, wow. you know, I remember, I'm, you know, hey, I'm, Benny and Lee, I'm peeking. Scott pads it, right? Come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, no, I mean, man. You know, it's crazy. I tell you, you know, I tell we take this show on the road. You know, we do like ESPN. We get that big RV and we just go, man. <laughs> hey, I love this right here. Right here, I love this. Well, you know, it, yeah, it is, though. Talk. I mean, I, man, I can say this. going to listen I, right now. <laughs> I can say this without a, without a doubt. Like, I grew up, you know, and I, I mean, like, some of the first words I said, you know, like outside of mom and dad was boo. And I wasn't, you know, I was, I was, that was the cheer when Sam Bowie went in, you know, it was boo. Yeah. You know, I was saying that oh, as, yeah. as a three-year-old man. You know, yeah. I was saying that as a three-year-old kid, you know, like boo, that was one of the first yeah. things I'm saying, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, you know, and I, you know, I grew up, you're, you're, you know, Kenny, you know, I was 34 at Kentucky and Kenny Skywalker had a lot, of, had a lot to do with that. You know, like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Lisa's you know, giving us a fist pump right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, you know, that's great, it, it man. Is, when he talked, when Roger talked about the, you know, the 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 passion that the people from Kentucky, I can say this: I think I played with one of the people who took more pride uh, in that uniform uh, and being a Kentucky guy is Anthony Epps, and talking about like getting yeah. the most out of everything you were, you know, you had. Yeah. And, and and it meaning so much to him every time he put that jersey on. And I think, you know, yeah. a guy like myself and a guy like Cameron Mills, like we saw those oh, things. Yeah, and, 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 and yeah. you know, the worst day of my – I can say this, my worst day of my playing career ever was was taking that jersey off after we lost to Michigan State, you know, uh, in the elite yeah. my, my senior year. Man, and I remember that. Game. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's one of those things. I, I, at that point, I had a pretty pretty good idea. I was going to go to the NBA, but I, I felt like some I, I was missing a big piece. You know, I was losing a big part of who I was after you know taking that jersey off. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, hey uh, uh, I'll call you coach because I know you coach, so I have respect <laughs> for anybody that coaches. But as you look at the situation now when you're recruiting, when you recruited and, and, and you're recruiting kids and you reflect back, cause when I first called in, I, I, it was a, it was, it was an, I enjoyed listening to you talk about how you went to this park or that park. And, uh, how, how has it changed for kids? I know like when a lot of people watch particularly from my era, we didn't have the physique because we really didn't start lifting until we first got to college. Uh, that was, mm-hmm. that, you know, the, the weights are a great equalizer for kids that don't have that athleticism. 
But as far as the mindset and kids, how would you and players? How would you say it's different from 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 our era, Scott? I think I think one of the biggest differences is is um, I think kids from from your era, my era, and and before uh, really knew how to play the game of basketball versus uh, do drills. You know, like and and that's part of it. You know, like right now you got all these guys who have uh, individual instruction guys that, that come out there and work them out, uh-huh. and they and they might be in the gym every single day working on their game, which is good, but they're not actually playing basketball every day. You know, like yeah, uh, you get better and you learn about the game of basketball, and I think you, there's there's got to be a, a somewhere in between where you're doing both. You know, like I'm not saying eliminate the skill work because I think the skill level now is uh-huh. is is probably uh, getting higher and higher each year, um, but but. I don't know about the the fundamental uh, just knowledge of the game being as good as it was, you know, like uh, uh-huh. probably say say in the 80s and 90s versus now, you know. Uh, but, yeah. but I would say that guys, they get in the gym and work their tails off on their individual game. When you actually play the game, you're working on basketball, which is a team sport. And I think yeah. that uh, there's more into a individualization of the player now versus when I was growing up, like part of that deal at the park is if you wanted to play, you had to keep doing what? You had to keep winning. You had to win. <laughs> yeah. right. You know, you yeah. had to win to stay on. Yeah. You had to win to or you stay sat out. So yeah, you sat over on the sideline. Yeah. So Man, it didn't you matter guys if are I was so... getting 20 points. Y'all it so didn't matter if I was getting 20 points in the game. Get smarter right here. <laughs> now, 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 hey, hey uh, Scott. Let me ask you this, Coach. Let me ask you this. You've you've coached uh, at the college level. Uh, what about the parents? Uh, when I played ball, my parents not only in college but in high school. You know, you never talked to the, you never talked to the to the coach. You never called to complain, regardless of what it was. Yeah. I remember when I was in Kentucky, my grandmother always used to try Joe B on the big blue line. She never got through. Thank God. She's going to try to tell him that I can shoot the ball before. Hey. And I'm like, Grandma, and, and, and don't tell her. And, 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 but, and Roger, but today, you how much? Too. Yeah. You coached too, uh, Roger, in high school. So you had a little bit of coaching experience too. Yeah. Yeah, but I didn't talk to parents. I, I, I said once the season started. <laughs> Okay, I don't want to hear from you unless there's something really big going on in the family that's affecting the kids. Now, after the season, all the way to the first of the season, I'll come over to your house for dinner. You, I'll sit down and talk to you with your kid. I'll work him out. I'll do anything I can to get better. But once we get going, don't call me if it's about playing time or anything related to basketball. But if there's a, a grandma sick or there's some trouble in the house that you think I need to know about, let me know. But but I was just interested in hearing Coach Padgett, what you, how are the parents today as a college coach, how much do they try to influence you and how much access do they expect when they come to your school? Well, well I would say there's a big difference wow. between now and then. Uh, my, my parents had, uh, I don't know if everybody, you know, hope, you know, I try to get past this, but it, it, it is what it is. If everybody remembers my story, I had a, I had a little, a hiccup at the beginning of my career at Kentucky. The only yeah, time my parents all about it. Yeah, the only time. Yeah, my hey, but, ever but, but Scott, but but Scott, 
let me let me throw something in there because when you when you graduated, you were all SEC academic. Let's throw that oh, out. Oh yeah, I mean I got it turned that, around. I got it turned around. That, that, I'm gonna tell you, man, that that's impressive, man, and that stands with me big time. Yeah. Well, I got the, I got the way you respond. The only time my parents ever talked to Coach Patino, literally once I got there, was when I got in trouble. <laughs> you know, like they talked to him one yeah. time when I got in trouble. Um, that that wasn't that just wasn't going to happen. He, you weren't going to get that access. Um, and my parents weren't the type of people that were going to call up and ask them why I'm not playing or yeah. why I'm not getting more shots or anything yeah. like that. Just because in their minds, that was my job. I, you know, I got there, and, and now it's, you know, by hard work and by hard work is how you're going to, you know, get your playing uh-huh. time or get your shots or whatever. So that that was that was never going to be them. But I would say nowadays they're, they're, it's different, and a lot of parents want a lot of access and want to be able to ask questions and things like that. And, I mean, even to the point where, like, I got parents that will wait around after the game for an hour if that's how long it takes me to come and, out to and, the court. And, and how did you handle that, Coach? How did you handle that? I, I'm genuinely interested because uh, it, it's a new dynamic. I've talked to guys who play college ball, and I know some parents. Uh, I knew James Blackman, played with James. He's had kids that played at IU, and he would talk about how he would call, uh, you know, the coach and stuff like that. And I'm like, really? You know what I mean? So how did you yeah. handle that, Coach? How did you I handle that? This, I would say this. I was I, I'm. I try to be myself, which is, you know, I think I'm pretty approachable and and cordial when it comes to talking to people. I wasn't going to get it. Like, after a game, I wasn't going to get into, like, breaking down any kind of dynamic of why the guy played or didn't play or anything. Uh-huh. But I'll come up and, and talk to him for a minute and, and you know, and tell him if the kid didn't play good, I'd say, hey, listen, he's, he's you know, He's right where he needs to be. He's got to keep working, you know, those kind of things. If it was uh-huh. somebody that played really well, hey, he's doing well. We've got to keep uh-huh. him working. He can get even better. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, uh-huh. I tried to um, kind of diffuse anything serious, serious, but, you know, have a little uh-huh. bit of conversation with them. And, and then after the season, when the uh-huh. season's over, if they had something to talk about, you know, uh, I can talk a little, you know, more serious about it. But during season, I didn't want to get into too much about it. Yeah, but but guys, yeah. In, in coaching, I mean, you you have those guys that you know are your best players, right? And that, that hmm. you can count on. And well, but the parents, every in, parent in, thinks their coach, kid's the best player. <laughs> in, in, yeah, in, in, any coach out there that would say that, you know, sometimes it's just a hunch. It would be if, if they said it's not a hunch. They're not playing hunches. Sometimes they're lying because. You know, you've got those games where, hey, man, this guy just might be the one. And, 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 you know, but what does it take to get to that point that you say, hey, I need to put this guy in and just try it. You know, did you have any of those situations like that, Scott, at Sanford? And, and Roger, I'm sure yeah. you did in high school. And, 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 and you actually, when you do that, you develop a new star. You, you, you find another role player on your team. I would say that, like, what makes you decide to do something a game is always based off of something you've seen. You know, like, mm-hmm. I ain't just right. guessing at it. Like, I saw something in practice or I've seen something throughout the game that says, hey, I know he's not our, you know, we, you know there's, we're in the last five minutes and he's not normally a starter, but I'm going to have him out here because I think he's, 
He's the guy right. that's going to help us win. I think that's based off something you've seen in the game or something you saw in practice that week where you, or, right. or, or leading up to that week where you think, you know what, man, he's getting better. I think, you know, I mean, to be honest with you, I had that situation this, this year in a game with my son. Like, he was – he's – you know, guy came off the bench for us, played about 16 minutes. Usually at the end of the game, he's probably on the bench. Well, we're playing um, Citadel, and we need to press in the game. He's good in the press. Uh, we we had been down 17 in the game. We fight all the way back. He's in while we're fighting back. I'm like, hey, we're leaving him out there. We'll roll with him. And right. it ends up on the last play of the game. He gets fouled on a play. He makes a free throw. We win the game. You know, wow. and yeah. and up to that point, he probably hadn't played at the end of the game unless it was a blowout one way or the other. And, right. uh, you know, and so what happened? All right, he, it worked out well. So now in the future, you know, all right, I can play him in this situation, you know, but, but that was based off of what I had seen in that game because we were playing good in the press and he's good in the press, you know. So uh, that that's what, what I saw. It wasn't like I just said, oh, I think – you know what, I'm going to give Logan a chance right here. No, I mean, it was something I saw leading up to it. Right. I want to tell you guys, I never coached at the level you guys did, and uh, it was more in youth, and, and I was I was getting ready for Roger, and Roger was getting ready for you, Scott. And uh, but, but, you know, the toughest thing is those kids, and you have kids that that do everything. They, they do everything it takes. But but they just don't have that skill level, and and they sit the bench, and and it's trying to keep the peace and and, and keep them interested without without running them off from the game. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges as a coach to encourage these kids because the whole time the coach's responsibility is to develop the talent and bring them up to that level. And the only way they can do it is is playing against better talent. So how did how did you guys handle that at the high school level and at the college level both? Well, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll say it from my level. I'll say it from my level. What's hard is um, you don't. I would love to say every you know that I as a coach I was perfect, and you know we have 13 scholarships a year, and and I was perfect that I every single person I recruited I hit on, you know. But the reality is you miss on you miss on some, and uh, the guys you miss on. To, as far as a talent level, those guys to be hard, hard workers to give them opportunity, you know? And if they're not hard workers, they're probably not going to play much. And I hate to say it, but nowadays, if they don't play much, they're probably not going to be around very long. I mean, that's right. that's just the reality of, you know, that transfer portal going to have a 1,000 people in it this year. And, you know, I, I try to tell every kid that I recruit, listen, you all got to look at this as a – as a long term, it's a four year. This is a four year deal, and don't just look at it how what things happened this year, because I tell them, if if I based everything in my life off of what I did my freshman year, I wouldn't have been who I was, because my freshman right. year I played I played fifty one minutes my freshman year, scored twenty eight yeah. points and and flunked out of school, <laughs> you know like yeah. if, right. if, if right. I if, if I just quit right then. That's who I would have been. That 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 that's the guy you know that nobody would remember. But I worked three jobs. I paid for my way to come back to school. I got my grades right. I I, I figured out what hard work was through that process, and that hard work carried over into my game. 
and next thing you know, I'm playing and I'm averaging nine and a half as a sophomore and then 11 and then 13 and then getting an opportunity to play in the NBA and along that way getting to play on championship teams. So, right. you know, I tell them sometimes you might not be ready today as a freshman. I wasn't. But you keep working and you push through and you and you fight. And, and, and with some kids, that's, that's, that's the way they do it. A lot more nowadays yeah. they're not. And really, it's all about recognizing that kid with that inner toughness that's got that drive, isn't it? I mean, really, you you got to have a heart and be willing to pay the price and and do the work. One of the things I think I've learned more in the last six years as a head coach, and, and you know, uh, that we started doing more a year ago, and then even with the class that we recruited, I re, you know what I recruit? I every obviously we're not recruiting a kid we don't think he's talented. But when I've started to recruit yeah. parents, what kind of what what yeah. does that parent do? Are they a hard worker? Do they you know are they successful? Yeah. What are they preaching to the kid? Because you know what, you end up you're always going to end up very very close to whatever your parents were. You know, like right. like it's funny. We have a running joke around the house. Like my dad, he, he he's, I mean, he is who put hard work and toughness into me, and and you know like I'm becoming him. You know, the lower, the older I am, the more I become him. Yeah. You know, and, and when you uh, said he worked the second and third shift, Scott, I, I'm related, man, because I worked in manufacturing yeah. most of my life. Yeah, he worked and, in D. And, and see that that's just a toughness, man. And I, I mean, and and when you you told me about him making the driveway and 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 the basketball court, and I mean, yeah, it's and I love it. And you're right. I think that's a key. And, and I saw that at Jacksonville State. You know, they they looked a lot at the parents before even recruiting a player and uh, and what those parents, you know, how they were, their personalities and, and what they did and their work ethics. And and I think it's important, you know, to instill it in kids. And drive, drive's a huge thing. Inner drive is a huge thing with these players. And, uh, Roger, what's your take on it? Well, I wanted to think that, uh, uh, you know, I played for Eddie, coached with Eddie, and one of the things that, that he did, which I thought was brilliant, when he would recruit a kid, and he had it when we first came, he had this chart, and he would, when he would recruit you, he'd say, now, when you come here, right here, he'd have it from the signing date. You just sign in Kentucky, okay? It would be like a, uh, it'd be like a stock market graph. And he'd say, now, you're going to in the first week of school, you're going to be on campus, you're going to be playing with our guys. And you're going to find out you can't do some of the things that you could do. And he draw there'd be a line drawn down a little bit. And then he'd say, and then here I come, and I'm going to be on your ass to play man-to-man defense because you got to kick a lot of ass to win. And I believe it's man-to-man. And he goes, and I'm going to be on your ass. And here you are. He'd have another line going down. And he'd say, now, then he would chart the emotional – experience that you probably would have and at the end it would end on an up where you were probably winning an SEC championship most likely playing for rated high in the in the country and probably buying for a national championship and at the end it would be uh, you'll probably most likely be drafted and you'll get your shot in the NBA and he would go 15 years out and say You've retired, you're living in Kentucky, and everybody knows your name. You've got all kind of doors open to you. 
but he had this graph, and when guys would come in during the freshman year, he would say, do you remember this chart? And he would get the chart out, and he'd say, this is where you're at right now, okay? Remember what, how excited you were? And there was truth built into it all the way. And he, But he had that relationship with the kids, with the players. He, they trusted him, and they knew he was telling the truth. And let's be honest, okay, uh, uh, Coach, most players know, you know when you're getting your ass kicked in practice, okay? You might not want to admit it, okay, but you get your ass kicked, okay? When I came in was going against Dirk Minifield and Dickie Bill, I thought, I don't even know why I came to Kentucky. I'll never be able to play here. I don't even know why they recruited me. These guys are so good. They're dunking on me. But as time goes on, you adjust to the game, and, and, and you get in the weight room, and if you want it and you, and you stay and, and you want to do something for your team, you stay with it. And, you know, a big part of that upside uh, on Coach Sutton's chart was you're going to leave with a four-year degree because I'm going to hold you accountable to go to class. Scott talked about that, okay? Back yeah. in our era, yeah. an education, a four-year degree, what, and playing at the University of Kentucky meant – and those guys that played at Kentucky in our uh, they stay in Kentucky because the people treat you so well. And you have all kinds of doors open to you, and you have an education that's going to take care of you the rest of your life, and it's going to feed your family. So I think the big difference between the era of today and now is probably people's value system, what's value. And quitting back in those days really – that was a transfer back then. That was a that was a scandalous move to leave to, li- to leave your boys right because you were boys. Yeah. And you're going to pull up. You're going to give up on what we all said. We're all in for. So you know it's just a difference in values, the way kids are brought up, and the ethic and the mindset of today's college basketball game. It's the biggest difference. And I remember mm-hmm. Michael Jordan's mother. I forget. It might have been the last Sunday or Sunday before. When she would, they interviewed her and they were talking about where Michael went. She said her and her husband, Mr. Jordan, said told Michael the most important thing was, and for us and for him, was to get a degree. And you don't, wow. I'm sure, I'm sure, as 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 some of the institutions and Scott as a coach, I'm not sure that that's the priority with most parents and kids when they come into college basketball today. And guys, I hate I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but we're we're out of time. So how did that happen? <laughs> because we I'll tell you right started. now, I'm gonna tell you what. Right. Is, is this not fun? I mean, Scott, Roger, man, this, and, and Benny, man, this, this is a blast. And I gotta say, guys, we can go over. It's not a law. If y'all want to keep talking, just keep talking. Like for real, like I'm right here. Hey, you're the only two guys in the world can make me speechless. I'm just sitting here listening. There ain't nothing can shut me up. I'm just hey. Hey, but I want to tell you something before you go. And, and, and Scott, and we we want you guys back because, man, I mean, I tell you what's a blast. But, but Roger, I went way out of my way. You know, you, you were talking about – remember we were talking about the music and we were going to cruise around. This, this is me and you going to cruise around and listen. I'll take you there, BB and CC Wine. You know, yeah. I had BB on the hook. I had BB on the hook. But, I mean, I, it all fell through, man. 
I tried to get on. I was vibing. I've been vibing. Hey, Lee, I've been before before I got on. I was vibing. I've been going through country music. Okay, I'm going back. And yesterday I was vibing to George Jones before I got on with you guys. But I want to say this: it's always an honor to be on with Benny and Lee. But to be on with Scott Padgett. Hey, how good was that air, Benny and Lee? Was that a great oh, air? Man. That was the best, man. Three years thank you, guys. Thank you for the memories. Oh, <laughs> hey, I was I was pre jamming. I was pre jamming. Hey, it didn't matter. During Padgett's air, he could step out and shoot the three. He could run the floor. Man. He was a Kentucky kid. And it didn't matter what was going on during the game at that era. <laughs> I always believed we were going to win. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Great memories. Thank you, sir. Uh, thank you, Coach Padgett. <laughs> well, thank, thank, you for the, thank you for the compliments. And I, I, like I said, I, I, you, I grew up, you were, one of, you were one of my childhood heroes. So, I, I, like I said, well, I told I him before you even came on about the shot that I used to shoot in the backyard at LSU game. And I really, like I said, it's been great to be honest yeah. with you. Well, I appreciate those words yeah. as well. Guys, thank you all so much. You don't know what you mean to us. You mean a lot to us. And and just coming on today, guys, thank you. I feel like a fanboy right now listening to you two guys talk. It was all on this side of the table, fellas. I'm out. God bless you. Go BBN. Later, Roger. (laughs) Later, Roger. See you, Roger. Scott, thank you, too. And they weren't going to let us talk about that music, Scott, but we'll let you go, brother. <laughs> All right, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, hey, not God, a problem, thank brother. you, man. Have a good rest of your night. Me uh, being good you. night. We gotta do it. We gotta do this again, man. Benny, I tell you what, we gotta do better. Y'all know the number. I mean, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey, it couldn't have been a better show. That was awesome listening to them two guys talk. But unfortunately, we do have to go. And and I hope everybody's safe out there. And BB and have a good night. 